Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Three mistakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hey there, welcome to ATL and 29 of Peach Hoops podcast, where we look at the NBA from the starting point of Atlanta. My name is... Kevin, I'm here with Glenn. We're recording on a Friday evening uh, in between the Hawks loss to Boston and the Hawks game with the Raptors. Glenn, how are you doing? I'm good. I was, I was, I was supposed to be on an airplane right now, but instead I'll be on an airplane tomorrow while the Hawks are playing the Raptors, so I'll have to catch up on Sunday. All right. Um Let's see. Where do you want to start? You want to talk about John Collins? How how much how much stock would you put in a trade rumor that says uh, in recent weeks and months? Well, I mean, so I feel like I do a reset every time this starts, and I don't know why I do that. I don't know why I don't. I don't know why I don't see this as some just continuation of kind of the same noise, and so it's it's hard for me to tell, like. Does the organization really want to move? Like, move, does the organization want to move his contract to create more flexibility when they want to extend Murray? You know, does you know, John? You know, who? Knows? I don't know what's going on, but uh, I'll believe. I'll believe there's a trade when I see it. I, and I, as I said on Twitter today, which I said before, there are very few scenarios, in my view, in which trading John Collins makes the Hawks better. And uh, you know, there's no obvious opportunity out there to me. That makes any sense. And so, you know, I continue to kind of not get it. Fair enough. Um, Yeah, I just, I can't get overly excited about sort of a lone wolf report. It doesn't seem like there's a ton of smoke or sort of one report and a little bit of uh, Phoenix has shown interest in recent weeks and months. Utah has shown interest in recent weeks and months. That's not uh, not necessarily a preponderance of evidence that could. No. Make... So no, and, and when it's mostly coming from one source too, it just yeah. I, I wouldn't be shocked that there was a conversation, but it's uh, it doesn't seem like a fire sale. No, agreed. I mean, and and I would hope it seems like the Hawks fans I hear from have mixed confidence in the front office right now they're harder playing really well and that's going to feed into how hawks fans feel about how this past off season went and all that sort of stuff and i totally understand that and get that um but i still would hope that if they were going to make a move it would be a move to sincerely make the team better and i just don't see a lot out there unless like you know some star is going to shake loose you know all of a sudden which which has happened more uh more commonly in the last year, a year and a half maybe than it had than it did before that. A lot, a lot of the top thirty players or whatever you want to call it have have moved, 
and stuff. So who knows? But apart from a scenario like that, I just can't see where it makes any sense. And uh, and I'm getting a little fatigued of uh, having people on Twitter try to tell me that John Collins isn't playing very well. I think he's played the best basketball of his career, his shooting aside. I think the impact he has on defense has been uh, really important and impactful. And on offense, he's more than his three-point shooting. You know, he, he there's he does more things to help his team over there. So I, in my mind, I think he's having – I think he's playing more impactful basketball than he has at any point in his career, in, in, in my view. So that's another reason why it's hard for you to see something that makes sense there. Fair enough. Uh, do we need to say other things about John Collins? We saw John Collins – Working on a shot with Kyle Corver today. Yeah, I saw, I saw that you posted that. That was uh... <laughs> actually, yeah. I hate to bring up Brad on the podcast, but <laughs> after watching John shoot the other day, normally when I watch people shoot jump shots, I'm like, "Hey, that looks great." Hey, that looks great. I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not a, a jump shot analyst. Uh, I've had my jump shot made fun of by Mike Budenholzer and Travis Schlank when they've actually seen it because it's a really it's a lot of shoulder in my jump shot. It's ugly as hell. Um, <laughs> but when I watched John shoot, the like even before this was really before the slump, I was just watching him shoot. And you know when you're a right when you're a right handed shooter, you know your stance is typically your right foot is in front of your left foot a little bit, right? Yeah. And we've talked about. AJ, you know, one of the things I love about AJ's shot is that he's he's jumping into his shot. Like he comes forward and he just kind of that kind of funnels that shot towards the rim with the way he jumps. When John jumps, John is a high jumper. But to me, when he jumps, instead of jumping at the rim, it always feels like he's jumping with the direction of his feet, which when you put your right foot in front is a little bit to your left. Right. And it just feels like that. To me, it just looks like that that jump is pulling him off center. Uh, that when Kyle was working with him, it looked like he was trying to get him to sort of minimize his dip. He kind of pantomimed and said, "You know, don't don't bring it down to your knees. Uh, you know, cut it a little bit shorter." But uh, yeah, no, I, I I think that's a great observation. And you know, with with some coaching in my background, I've never coached an NBA player. Obviously, not even being any close to it. But balance is like it all starts with your feet. You know, if your feet aren't right, you've got a very little chance to kind of. Kind of make kind of kind of make that shot, and for me, I I, I agree with you that uh, it looks like he's shooting more frequently on the move this year because of the kind of space that's opening up with Trey and Dejounte attacking kind of from the side. He's getting more looks at the top where the ball's coming, not a kick out from like right at him, which lets him square up, but kind of coming to him laterally. It's a different catch angle, it's a different way to gather and initiate the shot. And I think that's I think that that's a lot of it. Um, and, on, and on top of that, he's so athletic and he's so vertical, such a great vertical athlete that I think he has a tendency to want to kind of get into his elevation, you know, kind of quickly. Um, you know, it reminds me so much of like I, I wrote the draft profile on Onyeka when he was coming out into the draft, and you know, people would say, "Is he going to learn how to shoot?" And I was like. His lower at USC in his rookie year, his his lower half was an absolute mess, you know, from a shot perspective. Everything like above the waist looked workable and like you could make something of it. But I was like, unless he can get his lower half right, he you know he has absolutely no shot. And then to me, it looks like John has, has a, a he's getting into his footwork differently. 
his catch angle is different. The way the the way that his shots are manifesting the offense are different, and uh, hopefully they can kind of find a way to kind of simplify some of that with him. But it might take letting him shoot in the corner more, you know, for a while until maybe he kind of. That looks like that's where Kyle was working with him from the little bit of video that I saw, you know. And so maybe there's a way to kind of just make him more of a spot at shooter and and not so much on the move um, and help him kind of find some rhythm. But I, I don't, I don't, I don't think a guy with his shooting track record is just, you know, going to all yes, of a sudden kind of be. It's not over at age 25. No, <laughs> no. And it's not something that in my mind, it's not something that's just like all of a sudden, like magically just disappeared and gone forever. You know, I mean, when he's shooting the ball, um, in that twelve to fourteen foot range, where he's he's so he's so he's still so solid there, you know, and that and the mechanics are a little bit different there because he's trying to work the defender there, you know, but every, everything else still looks kind of functional and it's just a matter of rhythm and confidence and figuring out how to maybe deal with the ball, uh, you know, being uh, delivered to hit from a very different angles than last year is is kind of what I see, but I, yeah, I. I think I've enjoyed watching him more than anybody else on the Hawks so far this year. I, I mean, I, I love defense. I love team defense. I love health defense. I love effort. And I think he's been the person, the player who's brought the most consistent effort all year long. Others have been good in that category too, but even when everybody else is kind of playing like, uh, you know, average effort and intensity on defense, he's the one who kind of has been bringing that energy and defensively. And I, I enjoy that, you know? And so, uh, you know, I, I, I hope that they find a way to make it stay, but you know, we also know that they're probably looking a season or two ahead at like cap and tax implications, and they got to figure something out at some point. So, if a if a nice opportunity to to make a move that helps them in a number of ways that makes sense, then you know, can't be mad about that. But we'll we'll see if that actually ever happens. Yeah, it's. It, it's funny because this team, you know, if, if we start to look big picture, just sort of what this team is, it's like their their strength and their weakness almost go hand in hand. Like you look at what they've done well this season, you know, they've they played Milwaukee really well and they've they've made themselves a better team. And it's like the the thing that I think that they've done well is just that they've had four solid defensive bigs like when you when your rotation is john and clint and um anyeka and jalen it's like you've got these non-shooters but you know defensively they just give you so much like there's there's just sort of unrelenting from a defensive point of view with what they have up front but then you know when you look at what their limitation is it's that they have this offense that runs around trey and dejante and kind of work from their mid-range and then they protect the ball and they can kind of get good uh efficient shots in that mid-range area in a lot of in a lot of situations and but they just against the best defenses it just feels like they need a little bit more shooting and a little bit more spacing and and they don't get that when they play those same four bigs that are sort of defining what they can do on defense yeah i i mean i agree that the trade-off we've talked about it kind of all along and it's and it's what we're seeing. The trade-off is that this team can win games on their defense when their offense isn't clicking. Right. And I, I shared, I think this was after the after the Milwaukee win. Last year in games they made seven or few threes. They were one and seven. 
this year, I haven't looked at the Boston results, but after that Milwaukee game, they were three and one already in, in games where they made seven threes or fewer. And so that speaks to the fact that, you know, and, and this, this should not surprise us that this is kind of the type of roster and type of approach Nate wants to, to coach is that defense always going to be there. That's the plan. I'm not saying that's what it's been yet. It's been, it's been way more consistent than let's say last year, but the offense is going to come and go, but we're going to lean on our defense all the time. And they're, they're, in third place in the conference, you know, right now, and off, and I still think they're off to a, a really good start because since that New Orleans game was when they really, really turned on the defense and really committed to playing it. Um, it's been uh, pretty consistently there. The, the Boston game, they weren't closing out hard on three point shooters, um, but you know, I watched that Boston game and and I and I say to myself, Nate wants to protect the paint. Nate wants to protect the rim, and Boston was getting basically nothing inside until. The Hawks kind of, you know, let go of the rope really late, you know, kind of late in the, later in the second half and stuff like that. But, but they were, they were, st- they were still. I mean, I, I, the Hawks fans were super frustrated watching Boston make all these three pointers, but they were prioritizing the paint. They were walling off the paint. They were getting extra bodies into the paint. They were protecting the rim, and it's just like the that one, the one game the Bucks won early in the year, like where they just made a whole bunch of threes. It's like that's. That's going to happen to this team the way they play defense. It's, it's it just is. from from time from time to time. You know that, that, that there's probably there may be I don't know eight games this year, nine games, whatever the number is going to be, where teams are just hot from three, and the Hawks aren't really necessarily going to uh, change up their defensive scheme because the team is making shots. Now the the one area, like I mentioned a minute ago where their effort a little bit up and down, and that can be schedule, fatigue, travel, all that all that factors in, is there's been a couple games where their closeouts were really good, you know. Um, but, I mean, like I said, like 82-game schedule and the number of months that they play, there's going to be some nights where they just don't have as much energy, and I don't think that's a always an effort thing. But I do think to kind of play their absolute best defense is protect the paint, you know, keep people out of the middle, keep people off the rim, rebound the basketball, and – the kind of maybe the X factor, if we could say, if they're going to play their best defense, is really working hard on closeouts. And their closeouts weren't good enough. For whatever reason, the closeouts against Boston weren't good enough. You know, But they were hitting on all the other priorities, I think, I think fine. And that, that, that doesn't make me feel like, oh, I'm concerned about the defense regressing here. As long as that effort stays up, as long as that attention to, to, to all of the team principles and the health principles and all that sort of stuff, which has been excellent this year overall, I, I still think this team's going to do pretty well, do quite well. What do you make of Onyeka Kongwu's season to this point? It's 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 weird, and I you know it's it's been a weird season. Um, I feel like I'm watching a guy who's trying to grow his game. You know, he's, he, he's, I mean, he, he's shooting the ball pretty well from, you know, his set shot from 15 feet ish, you know, and things like yep. that. Yeah. It's been um, good. Um, but early in the season, he kind of lost a little bit of a touch at the rim. And I felt like when you're trying to kind of add a multi-dimensional kind of, you know, shooting approach and one technique to put a 15 footer up another, you know, to a floater slash runner slash push shot, you know, from six feet, and but he's kind of got all that kind of fixed now, but he's still he's still fouling a lot. I think that's the biggest issue. And he still at times struggles to rebound the basketball. 
Um, and that's a concern. I think mostly in that's more matchup based in terms of how big of an issue that is. I'm still very excited about, you know, what the player I think he's growing into, but he, I think he's been strangely less consistent this year than he was last year. I felt last year, it felt like he was kind of building all year towards kind of better, stronger and stronger play. And this season, it just seems like it's, it's inconsistent, but I also think he's at times I'm like, man, what he's officiated pretty hard. And sometimes smaller bigs like do get a tougher whistle, you know, defending bigger guys and things like that. So I, I think, I think he's going to figure it out. I think he's going to kind of find his stride. Um, but I think it's been a pretty inconsistent season so far as the word I would use. How about you? Yeah. I mean, I, you, that was really the one thing I wanted to hit on was the fouls. That's, you know, I think if you sort of lay out the game plan of what the Hawks hope they can be, I think the one area that they're really disappointed in is the number of fouls that they've committed. You know, they're if they're not the worst, they're you know one of the two or three worst teams in in terms of uh, how many fouls, how many free throw attempts that they're giving the other team. Right. And to me, you know, one of the biggest parts of that, I think, has been just sort of the way that Onyeka plays, like. He's a great defender. I I can accept what he is sort of as a rebounder. You kind of know that going into it, I think. He's he's still hitting the offensive glass pretty hard, but it's it's almost like he needs to sort of vary his technique a little bit. Like he's a he's a great defender and one of the best things about what he can do defensively is that he can do it kind of all over the court. It doesn't just have to be what he does right at the rim. You know, he he can play 11 feet away from the basket and be a big there. And, you know, he could take two steps back really quickly if he needs to, or he can make a play, you know, out 10, 11, 12 feet from the basket if he needs to. I just think that when he does get in those situations where he is closer to the rim, in those situations where he's closer to the rim, I'd like him to play with more verticality and not try to sell out for the block. Just, just play for the positioning in those places. And I know he's not super big. And I know in a lot of cases, he, he I think he wants to kind of get the block before the other person even really gets to their maximum height. But I think that he can do better if he just, just plays it straight and, you know, just uses his body to go straight up and keeps his arms straight up. So many of the times I think he brings his arms down at the last minute when he's already made the play. And it's like, right. you, you had it and you fouled him and, and bailed him out with that foul at the end when you had already done everything you needed to do. And, you know, I, he's so close. <laughs> like we're, we're, we're kind of nitpicking. But I, you know, it's the difference between good and great. I think to me is is that that's just absolutely huge for him. I don't know if you know, being an amazing defensive rebounder is is ever going to be in the bag for him. But I think you can live with that if if the defense cleans up. Yeah, and it's it's technique discipline, right? And it's um, that that's really what it is. And it, I mean, it's interesting because I feel like when he looks his best and when he looks his most impactful is when he's recovering into a play. He's so good at like maybe being on the perimeter, getting switched out or being up, up towards, uh, you know, the level of the screen or whatever exactly. and getting back to the paint. And he's so good at that. Mm-hmm. What he's not quite so good at is standing like anchoring like, right in the middle of defense and taking all of the, 
you know, physicality that kind of comes at him there and things like that. And that's the, I think you said it really well. That's the other side there. But it's, it's funny. It's like sometimes I watch him recover on a play and kind of almost end up being like a help side rim protector, uh, you know, weak side rim protector. And I think about what Boston did with, you know, Rob Williams last year and basically put him on whichever team put, put him on whichever play the other team put in the weak side corner and just let, you know, he had cleaned up in that role. And, and I, you know, with him making some shots, it's like, I resisted it. Everyone's like, and should be a four, and should be a four, and should be a four. I'm like, I pushed back on that like crazy. But it start, I, I'm starting to get a little curious about, you know, is there an opportunity potentially to, you know, especially if they're not going to get shooting at the four anyway. <laughs> I don't want to say that that's just, they're stuck with no shooting at the four. Like Nate kind of almost said that in a way. Right. Um, but like for, for some stretches, depending on the matchup, could they play Clint at the five and Anyeka at the four, you know, in a way that the Celtics used Rob Williams last year? It's not like Nate to really, I mean, we don't have to rehash the Nate conversation we had one of the last few times we recorded, but it's not like Nate to really mix things up. But if he's going to do it, it's going to be on defense, you know. Um, and so just I'm kind of curious about that. But you know, to me, it's the best path for Anyeka is to be a guy who can handle 24 minutes or whatever is needed in a given game as the backup center if there really to not be much of a fall off uh, defensively and in some matchups to give them someone who can handle himself further from the paint, you know, and still kind of get back there. So that's what I hope for. But, he, you know, he's such an interesting player that you can kind of imagine – like I can imagine him creating on offense. I can imagine them playing through him some on offense. And on defense, it's like, yeah, okay, he, he can his his ability to recover back into the play is so exceptional that it opens up some things that they don't typically do with Clint. You know, so I'm still, I, I mean, I I haven't lost any amount of excitement for how good I think he's becoming and the trajectory he's on, but the fouling thing is going to hold him back until he solves it. You know, for sure to me. What else do you want to talk about? So we got a question from. Uh, oh yeah, that was that's what it was. Tom O'Connor, our uh, good friend, uh, t- good Twitter friend, and uh, a guy I interact with, interact with a lot. Australian uh, Hawks fan. What do we think about AJ Griffin's defense? Is the question. So maybe I'll let you uh, start us off there if you like, sir. Well, I think with. Somebody as young as AJ, you're just looking for can he make the play some of the time, or can he can he do it? You know, can he do it inconsistently? I guess is what you're really looking for. And I, you know, I think right now he could definitely do things inconsistently. I, I, you know, it's not like he's making the right play or the quick enough read 100 percent of the time, but. He does it some of the time, and so you just got to figure that okay, if 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 he's doing it some of the time, you know, it doesn't seem like it's a huge stretch to see a path for him to get better at what he's doing. Because I mean, it, it it looks pretty good for for a nineteen year old. Um, you know, you can just kind of see sometimes, you know, the body turns and the head turns, and it's like you you got to keep going. <laughs> Ball's over there. You know, he, he doesn't have the I, I don't know. How would you say it's like? I I guess instinct is the word. I don't know. It just he doesn't have a feel for how and where the play is developing all the all the time, and he's kind of kind of search it out. And 
he, he does it a little bit robotically, but he's doing it. And I just think that as it speeds up and he gets more familiar with the NBA game, it, it's going to be, you know, pretty good. I, I would say that, you know, in terms of what I was expecting for him coming out of Duke, he's he's been more defensively than what I would have expected. Yeah, I, I wasn't sure he'd ever be very playable this year defensively based on what we saw at Duke. Um, but his team defense has, I mean, from the beginning, surprised even when they were, you know, playing internationally in the preseason, surprised me. Um, now, I, this is normal, but when he's in the middle, like like when you're when you're on the when you're strong side or weak side, your role is clear, like clarified, like a strong side or weak side. When you're in the middle, you know it's harder. You got to keep your head on a swivel and kind of figure out if the ball's going to swing if that changes what your responsibility is, et cetera. And so it doesn't surprise me that when he's in the middle is when he kind of tends to get lost uh, a little bit mm-hmm. there. But but like there was a play in that. Um, but in that Milwaukee win where the Hawks like wrote like five or six rotations, I put it on Twitter. And my favorite part of the play was that uh, Ibaka came free on in the offensive right corner. So the defensive left corner and AJ and uh, Jalen both like took a step at the exact same time towards rotating there. And like, and like in the preseason, you and I talked about, it's like, I don't think AJ and Jalen are going to be able to play together that much. And like immediately, like AJ took that rotation and Jalen figured out, okay, I'm back to low man, you know, and we're just, I mean, like problem solved that worked it out. Boom, boom. Just like that. It's like, it's just astonishing that a first year and second year player can like, and this was, that was like the fourth rotation on the play. And it was like, boom, they're both leaning in that direction. They're both ready to take that step. And as soon as AJ kind of got a, a jump, Jalen's like, okay. And it was better for AJ to get on the perimeter for Jalen to stay inside. Even So even that kind of problem solving worked out. And so that level of kind of the rotation and the help and the spacing and the uh, the stunting towards the nail, you know, showing up, you know, I, you know, I, I would say he's kind of like a B minus, like in, in all of all of that, especially if you're grading on a bit of a curve for a rookie. <laughs> the the one area for Jalen and AJ there, I, I don't really see much reason to be hopeful is that right now, if either of them get caught in space with the ball mm-hmm. handler. Guys are just dribbling right past them, like consistently. They're just dribbling right past them in space. So that's that's the one issue. And that you know, if they're going to play real minutes against other teams that have a lot at the point of attack, you know, that's that's going to be tough for them. Um, but you know, if Clint and you can kind of keep them organized, and they can kind of keep, say, uh, AJ playing with Dejounte and Aaron, you know, for example, or you know, maybe Justin and DeJounte or whatever, and kind of kind of keep him out of trouble, you know, then, then that'll help. But I mean, if Hawks fans aren't recognizing that both of those guys are struggling tremendously to keep a ball hitter in front and ball hitters are going right past them in space. Um, but I mean, that's about posture, you know, footwork, you know, and it's not, not a shock and it's not a terribly disappointing thing that that's what they're struggling with. But, uh, but it, more important to me that they're functioning in team principles and health principles. And and they're both doing really, really well and exceeding my expectations around there. And that's one of the reasons the Hawks have been able to win on their defense is because the second unit, even with the young guys in it a good bit are, uh, are playing uh, beyond what I think I would have expected coming in. So I'm thrilled with where he is, even if he still has a, you know, one kind of really big kind of area that he's going to have to fix. Um, I don't expect it to really improve probably until, 
you know, this offseason or some next year. I I don't necessarily see that getting fixed this this year, but I think they can manage. Anything else you want to address before we wrap it up? Um so I mean they've been we talked about this stretch being a critical stretch for them. I, and I know everybody at the Hawks fans were like so mad about the Boston game. You know, I think mostly because Smart and Brogdon didn't play. And I, I understand just the general, you know, feeling. Uh, but I mean, they, this critical stretch, they've done really well. You know, they, you know, two wins against Boston, they split with Philly, right? Um, you know, and that's a big deal, you know, uh, to me. Uh, they'll they'll see Cleveland soon, and that'll be an interesting one to kind of kind of see how that goes. This Toronto one, you know, will be interesting, even if Toronto's down a few key players because they just throw so much. You know, it felt like the Hawks turned it over what forty five times the last time they played. You know, and so that that'll be an interesting one. I'll, I'll watch it at some point on Sunday. Um, you know, um, but I mean, just you're, I'm just curious what your feeling is seeing them going through this. You know, the easy the quote easy start. And then kind of pressing into this, and here they are at what nine and five, uh, you know, with nine and six, nine and six, yeah. See, I still haven't caught up totally <laughs> on that one, but uh, nine, but nine and six at this point, I think is is solid, more than solid. I think it's good. I, I think that they've, um, I think they're they brought that that defense is there for them, and I think that while they're hopefully going to solve some things on offense. I mean, this team last year with an offense playing the way, way at the levels playing right now was like, what they have five wins, maybe you know, <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. So I, it, it's, I just I enjoy watching a team that can. Okay, our offense isn't clicking. We're gonna take our defense seriously. We're gonna play hard on defense. We're gonna lean on that. We're gonna we're gonna win this game on defense. That's to me, it's a, just a much more enjoyable watch, uh, and I feel like it's just a much more kind of solid plan for a team to navigate eighty two you know, game schedule. So, but, uh, I mean, are you kind of uh, feeling like, well, yeah, they've kind of exceeded expectations through this, this stretch in the schedule or, or do you feel differently? No, I think there's a, there's a certain efficiency to being a team, you know, a good, a better defensive team. Even if you give up a little bit on offense, it feels like, they're better suited to playing close games. It just feels like they can control a little bit of their own destiny in late game situations when their defense is, is good. I don't know if we mentioned it on the podcast, but like a week, week and a half ago, you know, Jalen Johnson said something interesting. He, he's, he was talking about, and, and it's funny. I don't know if you think of this as a negative or a positive, depending on what, what year you want to look at it from, but he's, He's talking about last year. He's like, yeah, we we didn't always take walkthroughs as seriously as we needed to last season, but but this season we're really locked in, and it's like, I guess that's a good thing. Uh, I don't know about last year, but I guess you know, it's you can kind of see that they're formulating a plan and sticking to it in games, uh, you even, know, if, even if it doesn't always work, even if they don't have enough offense to make it work. But yep. they're yeah. go ahead. I- Last year, it always felt like they in so many games they were eight to ten points down with like six to seven minutes to go. That felt like it was just like a perpetual state for them. And then even and then in games where they played well last or, or where it felt like they were playing well last year, 
it felt like they were down two possessions with a minute they have to go like cost like all season long <laughs> and you're like okay trey's got to make something happen on offense and then we got to somehow get a stop on defense and this year you know they're, they're playing ahead from from with a lead you know a, a lot more you know think about that that, that milwaukee game and when milwaukee kind of almost kind of came back and got in it there and they stabilized themselves with a couple of defensive possessions that that kind of kind of helped them a lot so I, I feel like there's a lot of Hawks fans angst, and maybe that's just the constant state of every fan base and every sport. You know, I don't know, but I mean, it's just kind of refreshing to see them play with a lead and to see them not have their not not expend so much energy just trying to catch up, trying to catch up. It's exhausting to play from behind, you know, and giving them themselves a, giving themselves a chance on on with their defense to to play with a lead where they can set the pace where they can kind of, you know, try to do the things that they want to do and not be scrambling the whole game. And it, it also just leaves you more energy to, you know, kind of focus on the the things that you, you want to prioritize. So it, to me, like watching them is a completely different feel, even though Trey's not shooting the ball very efficiently. John can't shoot and make a three point shot. You know, Jalen has lost his, uh, what little confidence it looked like he had in the preseason shooting the basketball. Clint has turned around his, uh, ability to finish at the rim and, and stuff but even as all of that kind of comes and goes or or gets stuck in a tough place sometimes it's that defense you know and and i'm not saying they, i'm not saying they're going to be a top five defense i don't think that's in the cards but i think they're going to be uh, could they be top 12 i wouldn't be shocked at this point if they just stay committed to the the, the principles and the effort and the, the team execution and they're going to win a lot more games with that formula this year Will they will they do better with more shooting? Absolutely. Do they need bogey? Yeah. When's he gonna be back? I have no idea. Do they make a trade? I don't know. Can they make? Can they add us some more shooting somehow? Like a, a move on the margins of some? I I don't know. But it's the way they're playing defense creates more flexibility around what they do and don't do with all that other stuff. When Trey shooting comes around, not as important. That it doesn't. There's not this feeling like it has to happen right now or the Hawks are gonna be screwed. You know because they're playing the, the defense that they're playing. Um, JC shots got to come around right now. They're nine and six, you know, because they're playing defense. They're buying some time to kind of figure out whatever things can be figured out on offense. And that's just a really different experience kind of watching this group from last season. And to me, it's a pretty enjoyable thing to watch. Fair enough. Yeah. I, to, to me, it's like, it's so hard to compare last season to this season just because, you know, in, in four words, Trey's down, Clint's up. Like it's you know yeah. those those two players make such a huge difference, and they, it feels like they got one back and and lost one to this point of the season. Um, I you know I, I would have liked to have seen last year what it looked like with with you know Clint playing up to to his standard, and now it's like okay, well you know what's what's the season going to look like when when Trey gets a click in. I guess we'll see. And and it seems like, you know, so far so good as far as treading water and, until he gets to that point. Yeah. Like like I said, it's, I mean, it's, it's refreshing to watch the defense carry them while they have all of these problems solving to do with offense right now. And, and look out Eastern Conference if they can keep this defensive consistency going and then solve for the things that, that our history tells us should not be hard to solve for, <laughs> you know. It trays better than this from an efficiency standpoint. You know, uh, John can shoot the basketball. History tells us, you know, et cetera. So, um, 
you know, they, they miss some of the other shooting and spacing. They miss a Gallo type. They miss, you know, you know, some, some other stuff there. Um, but sure is nice to, to win, some, win a couple games a week with your defense while you're trying to work on all that. Sets you up to uh, be in a better position to kind of chase some, some really good results later in the year. And so, you know, hopefully for them and for Hawks fans that, that op- those offensive uh, kind of weird things start to uh, get worked out here in the next few weeks. But it should be fun to watch. All right. Well, thank you for uh, for your time and do it again soon. Sounds good. Thanks, Kevin. Night.